0: 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work.
1: Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. How high are the charges on your pension? We name the plans that have lost up to 39%. Would you invest in ETFs after UBS? We ask if exchange-traded funds are only for rogues. And when is putting money into gold a bad idea? When it's a gold savings account, we discover. All this to come on this week's FT Money Show. I'm Matthew Vincent, and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Joe Cumbo. Hello. Alice Ross. Hello. And Elaine Moore. Hello. And our special studio guest, Alan Miller, founder of investment management firm SCM Private. Hello. Let's start then with the money news. This week, the FT Magazine Money Management finalised the data for its annual survey of personal pensions. And let us at FT Money take a look. What we discovered was that millions of savers are set to retire with thousands of pounds less than they could have had because the highest charging plans are reducing the value of their funds by nearly 40%. Money management described some of the charges as still too high, especially in today's market, and said these costs were eating invidiously into value over time. But when we put the figures to Pensions Minister Steve Webb, he described the charges in less measured terms. Uh, Joe, tell us what the minister's response was.
2: Well, yes, we did um, get to speak to him this morning because this week he had made some more statements about pension charges being too high and there's not enough transparency. So we put to him that some uh, pension funds are charging up to 40% and he described that as an extraordinary figure. Qualified um, with um, the statement that it depends on what you're paying for, if you're paying for tailored advice, perhaps that might be justified. But it is his view and the view of the National Association of Pension Funds that charges are still too high and they need to come down.
1: And let's look at these charges uh, more closely. Now, the The big headline figure, the 39%. Now, that's the effect of charges in reducing a fund that's invested over 25 years. That's
2: right. And that example was based on a single lump sum contribution of £10,000 over 25 years. Now, if you're um, paying a single contribution you tend to pay more in fees and charges than you would on a regular basis. Um, The same plan, the Scandia plan, um, if you paid on a monthly basis, for example, £200 per month, the charges would equate to about 23%, so only about a quarter of your fund, which um, many believe is still too high to be paying uh, over the term of a pension investment.
1: Well, yes, exactly. And uh, you mentioned that that uh, particularly high-charging pension was a Scandia Uh, Product, But there are a number of other big names that uh, are in this survey that come out with uh, uh, equally um, extraordinary charges.
2: Household names, including legal and general, um, often appearing on the stakeholder best buy list, um, with their single contribution plans um, high up to about 38%. Uh, on £10,000 over 20, um, 25 years or almost £20,000 coming off your fund in fees. And also AXA, AXA's business has now been taken over Friends Life which has about a third of fund uh, value will be taken off in charges. I've spoken to um, these providers and asked them how do you, how on earth do you justify these charges and the, um, the the reasons are that they've explained that yes, you get what you pay for, you ma- you're paying for fund management, you're also paying for... advice. In in the case of Scandia, they said that the fees um, drop off once the investment gets over £50,000. So if you have less than fifty thousand pounds, you'll be paying more in fees and charges. They drop by a third or so once you have a bigger investment with them.
1: I suppose the the, the Scandia pension that we're talking about also sort of has two layers of charges, in that it's a uh, it, it's a sort of multi-manager uh, product. You're you're paying Scandia's charges, and then you're also paying the charges for the underlying funds.
2: I think this highlights the problem for many investors and for savers is that the way these charges are structured are not transparent. So it is very difficult, right across the board. Even conceding um, in in this survey it 's difficult to compare apples with apples because um, the way it 's not transparent at all, and this is what the minister said this week, Steve Webb, he wants pension companies to be more transparent about how they set out their charges, and of course, there is another complication for consumers is that the RDR is rolling out um, the retail distribution review providers are stripping commission payments out of out of um, projected maturity values, but that's not across the board, so it's very difficult to to compare funds.
1: Yeah, so uh, the retail distribution review that that you mentioned, of course, is going to get rid of all these commission payments, but not until... 2013 so anybody investing now is still going to have the same difficulties
2: right you can find out more Uh, the money management survey is coming out um, next week and they will have a list of um, all the providers and their charges but um, more importantly if you're looking to switch there will be a list of those funds which are performing better and there are still some excellent returns out there for personal pension plans
1: which is uh, Im- important to mention, also, yes. Jo. Thank you very much uh, indeed for that and uh, for a listing of the projected uh, performance and the effective charges on twenty seven. Different personal pensions you can uh, look at money management magazine as joe mentioned or you can get a sneak preview uh, by reading joe's article in the money section of this weekend's ft and online at ft.com forward slash money also if you have a specific question about your own pension you can have it answered by specialist advisor francis Klonowski in a live q a taking place next wednesday uh, september the 28th all you have to do to get your question uh, Answered is email it to ask at ft.com and the answers will, will appear on Wednesday live on the ft.com website. and I'll give those details at the end of the show as well. Still to come, why all that glisters is not gold if that's the name of your savings account. First, though, exchange traded funds or ETFs. Last week, these stock market-listed low-cost index tracker funds hit the headlines for all the wrong reasons, when it emerged that a 31-year-old director of ETFs at UBS had been charged amid a £1.3 billion trading scandal. It inevitably raised questions over how safe these funds are for private investors. Earlier this year, the Financial Services Authority had warned that investors might not understand the risks involved when holding ETFs. However, investment advisors have tried to downplay the link between the UBS scandal and private investors' holdings in these funds, and explain that there are two distinctly different types of ETF being offered. Um, Alice, for anyone who doesn't know how ETFs work, this still might be a little bit worrying, wouldn't it?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's already been flagged up earlier this year by the regulators that Uh, private investors may not understand all of the risks of ETFs. Um, In case anyone doesn't have them, we actually did a survey recently that showed that 40% of private investors now do hold an ETF. Um, But these are um, funds that will track an index and they're passive. Um, So you're not paying for the active fund management in most cases. And they're way, way, way cheaper than actively managed funds. We just heard about how expensive pensions can be. With an ETF, you're maybe paying 0.4% a year, compared to say 1.6% or more when you add in all the total costs on an actively managed fund so it's no surprise that they've been very popular with private investors Um, but there are some complexities about the way that an ETF will track the index and this is what seems to have come to light with the UBS scandal but I'm here with um, Alan Miller at SCM private who is a big fan of ETFs and I know that you um, almost exclusively buy ETFs for your clients Um, But this hasn't put you off, has it?
4: No, I mean, the reason why um, we set up the business and we concentrate on ETFs is a simple one. ETFs, you can see all the fees. So unlike many mutual funds where all the fund expenses are hidden and lots of performance fees are hidden. So you actually know what you're paying. And the investments, you see 100% of the portfolio. So whether you're investing in it yourself or giving it to somebody else to invest in, if you don't know exactly what's inside the portfolio, how on earth can you actually begin to understand what the risks are? And many of these risks which have been highlighted in um, synthetic um, exchange-traded funds of counterparty and collateral risk um, actually exist across the whole savings industry They actually occur in physical exchange-traded funds. They occur in mutual funds, even in people's pension funds. But what seems to be the problem in a lot of exchange-traded funds is they actually disclose information to investors so that people can actually see how they work. And, you know, why have these funds been so popular for so long in the States and and just started to become popular in the UK is because they're basically a brand-new technological revolution. They offer a third of the fees, 100% transparency, rather than the average of 40% transparency. And that is very dangerous to the old established fund management industry, which is, as we've seen in pensions and we've seen in other products, it's been earning a very good living without actually delivering anything to investors.
3: Mm. On that transparency issue, I mean, the 100% transparency presumably only really applies to physical ETFs, which are ETFs that will actually buy the stocks and hold the stocks in the index that they're tracking. Um, Now, the issues... Actually,
4: I I would say that's a misnomer, because if you think about it, whether you have a physical exchange-traded fund or unit trust or even a hedge fund, if the fund manager, say, buys BP and then lends out that stock to somebody else they still actually get the return as if they were holding BP. But what's been deposited against that BP could be something completely different. So you can't actually see the real holdings that have been parked, if you like, against the assets. And many mutual funds and many physical exchange-traded funds come to that. And the reason why, you know, the synthetic have grown uh for a lot of markets, like emerging markets, they tend to be much more efficient in tracking some equity indices where they're quite expensive to actually replicate. As long as you invest in a fund where you have 100% collateral, which is what we do, we insist on 100% collateral, even though across all funds under USICS rules, the maximum counterparty risk is 10%, but you can actually find a whole host of ETFs where they've taken that out and they have over 100% collateral backing.
3: But you're mentioning, you know, you're talking about physical ETFs, you're talking about synthetic ETFs, which are also called swap based, because those ETFs will rely on an investment bank to deliver the return on the index that they're supposed to be tracking. And that's where some confusion can arise, I think, for private investors. What Do you think that all investors understand the difference between these two? Do you think that they should always try and find out which type of ETF it is that they're holding?
4: Well, the most important thing is you have to understand why you actually want to invest in that index and then how you want to do it, what the real costs are and how each ETF does it. And like in any investment, whether it's a mutual fund or even a share, you need to understand what you're getting. One is not necessarily better than the other, and some groups are better than other groups. As long as you actually look at it in detail, you look at the information, which is actually available, particularly on the manufacturer's websites, you can actually say, well, actually, I would rather have the lower cost, maybe synthetic, or not have the risk of the uh, stock lending in the physical exchange-rated funds. You know, it's up to the investor to decide what suits them. As long as the industry is transparent and is open, people can make informed investment decisions.
1: Alan, uh, thank you very much. If you're still uh, looking for uh, an explanation of exactly how a synthetic uh, ETF differs from a physical ETF and exactly what counterparty risk is, uh, you can read answers to all of these questions in Alice's Q&A article, which will be appearing in the money section of this weekend's FT and on the website at ft.com forward slash money. And finally today, savings accounts. Listeners of a certain age will remember the days when TV ad breaks were dominated by adverts for the Leeds Liquid Gold account, offering seemingly lustrous rates of interest. Many other building societies quickly followed suit, using the word gold in the names of their savings accounts to indicate medal-winning returns. But fast forward to the present, and these gold savings accounts are looking decidedly tarnished, so much so that Pensions Minister Steve Webb, yes, it's him again, recently suggested that they were misleading savers who were seeking the highest possible returns on their cash deposits. So, Elaine, you have been prospecting among the building societies um, exactly how much of a fool would I be to open a gold account now?
5: Well, it's not a pretty sight, the list that I've been looking at. I was digging around between lots of these uh, accounts that have very extravagant-sounding names, so premium and building, high-interest Gold, there was a diamond one at one point. Um, the rates that were coming up, 0.01%, 0.01, 0.05%, 0.1% 0.1 if you're lucky.
1: On a gold account.
5: On a gold account. So this problem is, as you said, it's it tends to be these accounts that were opened up to 20 years ago. So when they opened, they were probably fantastic, fantastic rates. But over the years, they've been whittled right down. They're probably not even open to new money anymore. But they do hold significant sums of some people's cash. And that cash is earning an absolutely a paltry rate of interest right now so i have a quiz for you
1: <clears throat> oh excellent I, I, I like the idea of this. okay
5: so we've got the bank rate of interest 0. Yes, 0.5 i know that the average rate of uh, easy access savings rate on offer now is about 0.9 percent
1: thanks for helping me with that yeah. if
5: you had an account that was called the high extra interest what do you think you would earn on that one
1: is it easy access
5: easy access yeah
1: you can get about three percent nowadays still that
5: one is 0.01 percent oh but that was Newcastle Building Society and that one has actually been closed now so there was kind of a wave of publicity as you said Steve Webb brought this up in Parliament it's been talked about a bit right now there was a bit of publicity at the end of last year about these names of accounts that were paying out nothing and uh, unremarkably some of the accounts that were picked out they've all now been closed to new money and this Newcastle account that paid 0.01% that has now changed over so it's moved the money that Savers had in that account to accounts that pay a little bit better.
1: And do they have equally sort of you know, lower lower interest sounding names?
5: They don't. They've changed their names, actually. They've simplified their range right down. That's what they say yeah. was the reason for moving the accounts over. Nothing to do with the bad publicity. It was all about simplifying the accounts on offer. And what you'll notice is a lot of the accounts that pay some of the best rates, and they all tend to be online rates, they've got these very boring sounding names. So it's Web Saver, Net Saver. Saver accounts, and that you can get up to 3% on easy access.
1: So, those are the ones to, to go for. Um- of those that are still open, those accounts that have got these you know, um, sort of shiny names, um, any in particular that you'd that you'd pick out? So
5: pick some out, okay. Yeah. So Saffron has got yep. a cash build. That sounds good, doesn't it? That's zero point zero five percent that you'll so you will get on build your build money. You build very slowly. You will build nothing yep. on that. Uh, Dunfermline Gold. That's zero point one percent. These are all open to new money as well at the moment. So, and they're all building societies, which, as people have said in Parliament, you would get savers feel like they have a sort of relationship with their building society and there's a lot of trust and good feeling that goes on between the clients and the provider and what a lot of the older savers especially have said is that well they assume that if they're getting that that must be the norm that must be what everybody is getting and we are obviously here to tell you that that's not the norm at all and you can get a much much higher rate than that just on easy access cash that you can get out as much as you like.
1: So don't be misled by the name of the account, which is actually advice you could apply to pretty much every financial product out there. Um, Elaine, thanks very much indeed. Uh, For that, And for a list of those gold and premium and extra high interest accounts that have been closed down, as well as those accounts that are still open, make sure you read uh, Elaine's expose in the money section of this weekend's FT. That's all we have time for in this week's FT Money Show. Remember, you'll find all of these stories, plus daily news updates, blog posts and top tips on our website, ft.com forward slash money. You can follow our tweets at twitter.com forward slash FT money. And if you have a pensions question that you would like answered by advisor Francis Koloski in our live online Q&A taking place next Wednesday September the 28th, just email us. The address again is ask at ft.com Next week we'll bring you another financial lowdown in downloadable form, but until then it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Joe, Alice, Elaine and our special guest Alan Miller from SCM Private. Goodbye. For more downloads
4: go to